As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another edition of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, uh, let me just quickly catch you up on what we've done so far. We're just getting started, but I've had some really great guests, including Peter Drury, who's the number one lead analyst for the Premier League on NBC. Andres Cantor, who's calling the World Cup for Telemundo. He had some great stories about Lionel Messi and Diego Armando Maradona. You'll really enjoy that one. I had Carl Worswick, who's a British journalist based in Colombia. We talked a lot about just living in Colombia, being a freelance journalist uh, abroad, a lot of the the problems in, in Colombian football. That was a great interview. You can find everything. All these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's ad free on the Athletic app, and you can find it on YouTube as well. Just search the Athletic Soccer. Uh, today, we don't have a guest, but I'm going to cover a few things. Uh, we'll start with some soccer media news, including CBS's successful efforts to retain the UEFA Champions League English language rights. Uh, I'm going to talk briefly about Welcome to Wrexham, which is a new uh, soccer docuseries which debuts uh, today, Wednesday, August. August 24th on Hulu. Uh, my colleague Pablo Maurer had a sit down with uh, actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, who are the new owners of Wrexham AFC. Uh, and then we're going to end the episode today with some news from the Mexican national team, uh, especially focusing on how El Tri can possibly replace winger Tecatito Corona, who fractured a fibula. Uh, recently, uh, I wrote a story about it. We're going to go through the, some of the options that Tata Martino will have in the starting 11 and, and how it'll change how Mexico plays in Qatar. So quite a bit to cover. Let's let's start with CBS. Uh, they have they announced this week that they retained the English language uh, rights to the UEFA Champions League in a six year one point five billion dollar deal. Now. 
perhaps we're not surprised. I mean, they were up against Amazon. Uh, it looked like it was a two-company bid, and I, I'm not surprised that CBS really doubled down and, and, and kept those rights uh, you know, through 2030. There's a really good interview um, for, for from the on the Sports Business Journal from John Rand. He sat with uh, CBS Sports Chairman Sean McManus, and some few th- there are a few highlights that I just thought were really uh, interesting. Uh, you know, we hear so much about Paramount Plus and streaming in general uh, in the soccer landscape. Not everybody loves it. I, th- I know there's still a lot of fans who are late to jump on the streaming train. Uh, but some of the things that Sean McManus said uh, in that interview is that, one, the Champions League for CBS is the third biggest driver of subscribers and retention on Paramount+. Plus, and that is just behind their hit drama series, which is a Western 1883, and behind just, just below the NFL. So that is incredibly impressive. And I think that speaks to just where this where the landscape is heading you know streaming continues to to trend upwards um you know i saw very recently a reporter from colombia uh a top reporter from colombia cesar uh, londonio who tweeted uh very specifically about some some results that he saw from some some news that he saw from from uh, nielsen in in mexico and what cesar londonio is reporting based on uh, sourcing from Nielsen is that TV streaming for the first time is uh, outpacing cable subscriptions in the U.S. This is according to Nielsen Mexico and a survey that they did. So I think that says a lot, honestly. It says a lot about where the sport is headed, specifically soccer. Uh, and if you look at CBS and and the way that they have really committed to the sport, uh, we know they've had NWSL before. There are some other South American leagues that you can watch on, on Paramount Plus as well, including Argentina, Brazil. Uh, Serie A obviously is a big one for them, a big product for them. Uh, but I think what's important about the way they've done it, and I've written about this, go back and find my stories for The Athletic, uh, about the launch of the Champions League on CBS, uh, the one I wrote just a few months ago about how they've approached uh, really the rebirth of Serie A coverage in the United States. And it all comes down to brand identity and a commitment to their creative. And, and, and that's something that uh, Pete Radovich, who's their, the creative director, executive creative director at CBS, talks about a lot. He spoke to me in that interview for Serie A about just his belief in, in, in maintaining an identity, a tone to everything. And when they announced, when CBS announced that they had retained the rights to the UEFA Champions League, find it on Twitter. You know, they, 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 they put out like a two, almost like a two and a half minute teaser or a trailer, really a short film, if you will about everything that they've accomplished over the last few years with the, with the Champions League. It was very well done. Some some just great memories uh, and videos from the past few years uh, with all of their talent, including Kay Abdo, Terry Henry, you know, Jamie Carragher, who's become you know their lead analyst and, and honestly a star here in the US for, you know, on, t- on TV and Micah Richards as well. They had a lot of graphics over that video, just really, uh, showcasing the the efforts and the impact they've had on social media as well. Uh, obviously, they launched the Galasso show as well with Nico Cantor, which has been a big hit for CBS. It's very much like NFL Red Zone. 
and you know there are so many people so many fans casual fans you know hardcore fans that don't have all the time in the world to watch every single game and the Galasha, the Galasso show obviously you know speaks to that and from talent and you know studio talent booth talent uh, I mentioned Peter Drury at the top of the episode you know I've, I've interviewed him he's since moved to CB to I'm sorry to NBC but he was with CBS before he was calling Champions League games so they've gone out and gotten the best I think they mixed it up I've written about that as well they mixed it with some new talent uh, that are, that aren't as well known, that aren't as experienced, but they're giving people shots and opportunities, and it is obviously paid off. So uh, th- that is some big news out of CBS. They will actually they they're the the rights holders for tomorrow's Champions League draw, the big Champions League draw, the group stage draw, which will premiere on Paramount Plus at noon on Thursday. So check that out. Uh, you know, and before we move on, you know, to some to some other media tidbits, you know, just speaking of streaming as well, Peacock and NBC. Uh, I th- I don't have numbers for the Manchester United Liverpool game that was streamed uh, this week. It was a huge huge game, uh, a two nil win, a two one win for Manchester United over Liverpool, a, a classico in the Premier League. You know, they didn't put that on Big NBC. You know, they put that on Peacock. And so it was the big sort of the big game, the big product on Peacock. And you're going to see a lot more of that, I think, throughout the season and in the coming years. I think they're they're probably looking at what's happening with CBS and how the Champions League is helping them and in, 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 in growing their numbers, their streaming numbers and their subscriptions. I think that'll probably be a bit of more of the strategy for NBC as well. Uh, there's a big, a nice interview that was out this week from World Soccer Talk as well with some executives at NBC on how they're enhancing the Premier League viewing experience via Peacock. Some really cool features as well. So find that interview and check that out. You know, again, I think this is just where it's trending. Uh, and and you, we we've already discussed in in weeks past the way MLS Major League Soccer is moving towards a, a streaming deal. You know they've signed a, I believe a ten year deal with Apple and Apple Plus, and so that's that's it. You know that that's where this industry is going. And if you don't jump on the train, you're going to miss some big games. And so I, I I I'm a fan. I am a streamer. You know I'm not advocating for any of these specific brands, but it's just what I do in my household. So the transition has been pretty natural, but I understand. I know it's another, it's another subscription that you're paying. Uh, but in the end, if the content is worth it and it's something that you believe in and that you enjoy, and in in my case, uh, I need it for work. But I also I love the sport. I love the sport. I love the content. Uh, and across these new apps, not just NBC and CBS. I'm going to bring up Hulu as well because now you have a new soccer-inspired docu-series that you can watch on Hulu. So all of these different uh, brands are really getting into this, and I think they're seeing the power of soccer as well. You know, I don't. This is going to be a shock, perhaps, to a lot of to a lot of you. I have not seen one episode of Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh! I put that out there in the public space. I should. I know. I'll watch it eventually. But again, Ted Lasso is is this catalyst. Uh, for streamers and and bringing football soccer to the street to streaming platforms in a very unique way uh so yeah so like i mentioned rexham welcome to rexham is debuting today on hulu uh it launches today it is a new docuseries you know i guess you can you can compare it to sunderland till i die uh only because it's it's a small very very small club 
Wrexham AFC is a Welsh side that is in the fifth tier of English football. Uh, and so it is very much an underdog story. Uh, my my colleague Pablo Maurer has watched uh, was able to watch some of the episodes that they you know f- they forwarded to him before the, the the launch today and like I mentioned he spoke he sat down with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney the two owners two two top actors uh, Ryan Reynolds you know him obviously from Deadpool and, and and some of the other movies that he's done some of the rom coms over the years uh, he's also a, a budding entrepreneur you know he's la- he launched Mint.com I believe. Uh, aviation gin you know he's into the alcohol business as well then Rob McElhaney you know just I'm a huge fan of his as well Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia to me is one of the best shows that FX has ever produced he's a co-creator on that show and the interview he did they both did with Pablo um, I just thought it was really interesting some of the questions that Pablo asked them uh, about pro promotion or relegation you know how they met i thought how they met was really interesting you know they're not friends you know this isn't two buddies that got together and decided to buy uh a lower division english football club you know they didn't even really know each other uh and from what they talk about is that not only did they not know each other very well but they admittedly don't know much about the sport and I know that perhaps isn't a surprise to anybody. It happens a lot. Uh, but they have a, a clear goal and, a, and an objective to, you know, not just grow the club from a sporting sense and push them up through promotion. You know, obviously the dream, you know, imagine if they get to the Premier League, it's probably not going to happen. But just promoting them to the fourth tier would be massive. Uh, but there is a commercial aspect of this as well. And, and I think that's where you see when you when you read this Q&A that Pablo did, uh, it's out on The Athletic already, you're going to see how both Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds approach this project from different places. McElhaney, in my opinion, is more of the creative force behind the show. You know, actually the series, like doing the series for Hulu was a big part of them being just involved in the purchase. Like they wanted to do the series. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're very much, uh, you know, into and have experience with, with TV dramas. And and they talk about just being f- big fans of sports documentaries as well. So I think McElhaney is the creative force behind the show. Um, and even the purchase, he was, the, you know, Ryan Reynolds reached out to him when he saw that uh, Rob McElhaney was going to get involved in this. And for me, it seems like while Ryan Reynolds very much is a creative mind, uh, you know, he talks more about just the business and, being much more strategic, uh, being humble with the project, and understanding that they didn't purchase Chelsea. Uh, you know, they, you know, every player on Wrexham FC, like they mentioned in the interview, is playing for their lives, playing for their families. You know, they get cut; they don't get to, they don't call their agent and, and move to another big club. You know, they it could be the end of their careers. And so, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I'm going to read a quote from Ryan Reynolds from that interview because I just thought it really. Uh, set the scene for me. So this is what Ryan Reynolds told Pablo Maurer, The Athletic. There is so much writing on the success of this club with every single individual in Wrexham. It's a lot to carry, but I'm not complaining. It's been one of the greatest rides of my life. Uh, and then McElhaney speaks about how how so much of what they're doing, they can work so hard, they can invest money, they can create the docuseries, they can engage with the community, help the club, and in the end, McElhaney says, you know, that it all comes down to the soccer, to the football gods. So, so in my opinion, he's definitely understanding what he got himself 
into football gods. It, it is all about the football gods. It doesn't matter how hard you try in the sport. It's a, it's the football gods will determine your fate, no matter how, whether you're a top tier team or a lower, lower division side. So great interview. Check that out. Pablo Mauer's Q and a with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, the new owners of Wrexham AFC and check out the, the new series that is going to debut today on Hulu Wrexham. Uh, it's called welcome to Wrexham debuts on Hulu today, Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Okay, uh... I recently filed a story, which was published today on Wednesday, about Tecatito Corona, the Mexican national team winger, 29-year-old, experienced, tricky on the ball, two-footed. I love two-footed players. You don't see those guys a lot. Uh, He's a two-footed dribbler, can play on either side of the wing, can play across the front three. Tata Martino has given him a lot of freedom tactically to produce, to create, to get to goal. Unfortunately for Mexico, uh, last week it was reported and confirmed by Sevilla, his his club in, in Spain, that he had broken a bone in his leg and ruptured several ligaments in his ankle. Uh, now, some new information that I, I put in the story, check that out. It's on The Athletic now. It's, it's, it's just a rundown of what has happened over the last honestly, three years with all the injuries that continue to pile up for Mexico under Tata Martino uh, and where Tecatito was, uh, you know, with with Mexico heading to Qatar, like his role uh, at this upcoming World Cup. Uh, but if you think about it, you know, Mexico, I, I don't know, perhaps I'm being I'm stumping myself here, but I don't know another national team that has suffered so many injuries to so many key players over the years you talk you know Tecatito Corona it's just a huge injury and it comes after Raul Jimenez who suffered that massive massive head injury in 2020 
He has not been the same. He's back playing again for Wolves. He scored the other day in a League Cup match. That is great to see. Uh, but it's just been a really tough recovery for him. Uh, and he's Mexico's number nine from the very beginning, from the very, very beginning when in 2019, when Chicharito Hernandez was still in the picture, Tata Martino said, Raul Jimenez is our number nine and he's going to be the number nine basically until I'm done coaching this team. And he has stuck to that, you know, in the, in the worst of times. Uh, Chucky Lozano, Riverin Lozano, Napoli's winger, suffered a scary, scary neck injury in the Gold Cup in 2021 in the opening game against Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago. And so that was, it was in the first half of that game. And when it occurred, you could just feel the air being sucked out of Mexico, the Mexico national team's project, if you will. It was like another injury, another key player that at the time they weren't sure if he was going to come back in time for for the 2022 World Cup, if he was going to be the same player. It was that serious of a scare, and he's since recovered. He's given interviews about how you know touch that was. In the meantime, he's had a lot of different muscle injuries. You know, he's very much a high burst speed player. Uh, and so that happens to players like that. You deal with muscle injuries. Uh, and, and so back to Corona, I just feel like if you, if you remember where he was in 2019, and I mentioned 2019 because Tata Martino has several times said, you know, the goal is to get back to that, the vibes, the vibes and the momentum that Mexico had in 2019. And if you remember the game that they played against the United States at the Meadowlands, I believe in September of 2019, what did Tecatito Corona do that night. He megged Serginho Dest, an incredible meg, and then just dropped a dime for Chicharito Hernandez to head home. And it was like, yes, this is Mexico. This is Mexico. And it was two different, very different times for both the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, But it was a glimpse of what Tecatito Corona can do at that level. It doesn't matter who he's facing. Uh, you know, he's just a threat on the wing. And, and I understand, you know, since then his form has dropped before the injury, you know, he was out of favor with Porto and this is after he was the Portuguese league player of the year for them. And then he lost his spot. Uh, everyone from Mexico, really their form has dipped along with Corona's, but he was a lock to be at the world cup. And, uh, you know, I remember when I sat down with Tata Martino, right before the pandemic really just shut everything down. This is February of 2020 uh, in an interview that I had with him. And I was talking about players that were not informed that he continued to, to rely on. And the one thing he said, I'll, I'll just never forget this. You know, he said, you know, Mexico can open a suitcase and just pull out top players. Uh, and, and that w- that for me was the first indication that Martino understood Mexico's limitations with the current generation of player. Uh, And at the same time, it was like he was going to ride with this pool, ride or die with the guys that he had. And that question actually was about Chucky Lozano, who at the time was not playing for his club. Uh, And he's like, you know, I can't not call up Chucky Lozano. He's one of Mexico's best players. You know, I just hope he plays for his club. And the same thing happened with Tecatito Corona. When I went to Mexico City, sat with Tata Martino again last year, Corona was not playing. And honestly, his form with the national team was was way off, way off. Uh, and there again, Tata Martino said the same thing, you know, like he has to play like this is a big year for him. He has to find a new club. He's spoken to him about that. 
Uh, and but still, Tecatito Corona before the injury, regardless of his form, and he started to pick up his form and find it with Sevilla, his new club. Like he was going to the World Cup, he's going to be a key guy. So uh, that that is where we are today as far as uh, the injuries go with the Mexico national team. And the story that I just wrote that just published on the Athletic really goes through a lot of the players, seven players that could replace uh, Tecatito Corona in the starting 11 once we once Mexico gets to Qatar. And listen, there, there are quite a few players that just jump off the page right away. You know, Diego Linus, uh, uh, Uriel Antuna, Orbelin Pineda, Rodolfo Pizarro, who, you know, I know, I hear you, but he's still, I think he's still in the picture. Alexis Vega from Chivas, you know, Marcelo Flores, the young 19-year-old. Uh, he's 18 right now. He'll be 19 before the World Cup. He just moved to second division side Real Oviedo in Spain. Everyone wants to see him on the field in Mexico. You have a couple dark horses like Alejandro Sendejas from Club America, who's very much, in my opinion, in the same mold of Linez, you know, a, a, a stocky, left-footed dribbler. Uh, who's playing really well for them. So there are f- uh, quite a few players that I think Tata Martino was going to take to the World Cup regardless, but now it's like who steps in in the starting 11 for them. I think in the story that I wrote, uh, you know, Uriel Antuna seems like makes the most sense if you want to have two wingers uh, that are going to push a back line. So if, if Lozano's healthy, he's going to start. Uriel Antuna, I think, is very much a direct player. He can play on the opposite side of Lozano. Uh, if, you know, against a high line, you know, those two players are going to be very important. You know, I think Mexico is going to go to this World Cup and they're going to be a lot more defensive than perhaps many people expect. If you look at the last few games in the qualifiers, you know, they kept a lot of clean sheets and they really focused on the, the defensive side of the ball uh, and the defensive tactic, tactics fortifying set-piece defending, which was a problem in 2021 for them. And you look at their group. It's, it's just, it's a really tough group in my opinion. They open with Poland, who is just, you know, a typical European side. And then they have Robert uh, Lewandowski, who's going to come to the World Cup, I think, with bags and bags of goals for Barcelona. And so, you know, second game against Argentina, there's just absolutely no way that Mexico plays an open game against Argentina. They tried that in 2019, I believe, uh, friendly in San Antonio, and they got worked for nothing by Argentina. So that's another game that I think, regardless of the result, if Mexico gets three points against Poland, they're definitely going to the Argentina game to tie, to get a draw, to not lose that game. If they lose against Poland, it gets tricky against Argentina. You're going to have to get three points. And I think there, Tata Martina will balance the tactics a bit. Uh, But again, you have different players in the Corona role that are going to dictate the tactics for Mexico and for Tata Martino. You know, like I mentioned with Uriel Antuna, he's a very direct player playing for Cruz Azul right now, Cruz Azul and an absolute crisis. No one's playing well for them, including Antuna, but you know, he's going to go to the world cup. Uh, Before I get to Diego Linus, let me just talk about Orbelin Pineda. He's another player that Tata Martino has relied on, has kept him in the picture since 2019 He's more of a 10, you know, he's more of a number 10. And, you know, when Chucky Lozano was out, when was injured in that goal cup, the player that Tata Martino went to 
to replace him was Orbelin Pineda. Pineda, who moved to Celta Vigo, La Liga side, didn't you know? Rarely played, was not rated by the manager, and has since moved to uh, AEK Athens, uh, and he's been reunited with Matias Almeida, who is his coach at Chivas. For me, Pineda might be the guy, just because if if Mexico wants to play the way I, I, I just described, where it's a lot more under control, it's not wide open. They're going to protect their back line, stay in the game. They're going to want to keep the ball too. And I think Pineda is that guy that can do that. He's done it before with Martino. And I remember last year during the Gold Cup, I asked Martino, like, what, you know, you've replaced Lozano with Pineda. How does that change your tactics? And he really did mention, you know, Pineda is a connector. He's the guy that's going to get behind the midfield players and connect us with the front line. He's not like Lozano at all. You know, he's not like Corona either. And so, you know, if Pineda steps in, it's going to change how they play. And when, when Pineda is on the field, he's an interior midfielder. He tends to go inside and that pushes Mexico's fullbacks up into attack, which is something that Martino said the fullbacks are going to have to be committed to. So really interesting there. Uh, you know, Diego Lainez, I wrote in the story, you know, Corona's injury, I think, is going to put Martino in a difficult place. It's it's time to trust Diego Lainez uh, in a high stakes game. He comes off the bench a lot. He's the change of play, change of pace player for Mexico. He too has moved on loan. He's with SC Braga now in Portugal. Uh, he's moved from Real Betis where he just wasn't playing that much. You know, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be an option for Martino. Martino's going to have to think about this one. You know, it, does he play Diego Lainez in a starting role? Uh, perhaps against Poland in a game where you get, you've got to get those three points. Uh, but I understand bringing a player like Diego Linus off the bench because he's he's been effective for Mexico in qualifiers. He's come on, he's earned a penalty, he's he's you know he's really put the back line, uh, the opponent's back line. He's forced them to backpedal when he comes on the field. Uh, I think if you ask U.S. men's national team fans, and there was a, a commenter in that story that I just filed, he, he the first comment was, I'm going with, this is a U.S. fan. He's like, I'm going with Linus because every time I see Linus is not in the lineup against us, I breathe a sigh of relief. So that says a lot about the the talent of Diego Linus. Uh, you know, Diego Linus is a player who uh, Tata Martino referred to, I think it was last year, as the future of the Mexican national team. And there's no better time than now to really grasp that when you're down a key player. Uh, so I think those are the top guys, you know, Alexis Vega, if you're a Mexico national team fan and you're listening to this, or if you're a Liga MX fan or you're a Chivas fan, I think you're going to agree with me here. You know, Alexis Vega is another player that I think regardless of the form that he's in and he's in just, he's not playing well at all. He is flexible enough that I don't think Martino can keep him off the roster. You know, he can play as a second striker. He can play on either wing. You know, he can be difficult to handle, but his final ball is just, it's just hasn't been there at all. And so for Chivas, Chivas and another team in crisis right now in Liga MX and, and Alexis Vega hasn't played well at all. And this is a player that a lot of people in Mexico were like, hey, this is the year he's going to move to European football. He's going to get a move abroad. And he does not look like that player. Uh, but, it, you know, on a World Cup roster, during a World Cup, when that pressure is on him, he might be one of those players that becomes a factor for Mexico. So keep him in mind. 
Marcelo Flores, I'm sure everyone wants to hear my opinion about Marcelo Flores. Uh, if you're a Mexico fan, you know, I like the player. He's young. He's still very green, very raw in, in his football career. But you see a lot of talent. You see a player that's very direct, likes the ball in the final third, uh, is, is seems to be unafraid to take people on. So, you know, that that is very much what Mexico is going to miss without Jesus Corona is, is, a, is a 1v1 dribbler, 1v1 winger. The problem is, and perhaps this, again, opens the door for him. You know, Marcelo Flores, for as much hype as he's getting in Mexico and all the buzz that's around him, Tata Martino has just consistently poured water on it and pumped the brakes and, and not given any guarantees about a player, a dual national player who chose Mexico over Canada. And even then, you know, uh, Tata Martino was like, good, it's great, you know, like, but there's no guarantee that doesn't make him just an automatic lock to get to the world cup. Now the Federation, uh, was very vocal. The Mexico Federation was very vocal before Marce- Marcelo Flores made his decision to represent Mexico. They're like, this guy's important to us. So in the end, that could be a factor as far as taking him to the world cup. But Tata Martino has not been pressured by the Federation to make any roster decisions. Let me just tell you that. If it were the case, uh, if you were under pressure to choose players by fans or anyone within the Federation, you know, perhaps Chicharito Hernandez would be on the team. I, but so the same applies to Marcelo Flores. Uh, I think this changes his 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 outlook for Qatar for sure. Uh, and it, honestly, you know, the the players I've already mentioned, uh, Alexis Vega, uh, Orbelin Pineda, Uriel Antuna. Even Rodolfo Pissarro. I mean, Pissarro, who was a complete flop in MLS with Inter Miami, is still a player that played well for Tata Martino in 2019. All those players, I feel like, are more likely to be on the final roster than Marcelo Flores. Like, if Marcelo Flores gets in, that to me is a surprise selection for the World Cup. A young player that could go to the World Cup and not see any minutes, but could also be the player that comes on when Mexico needs some brave dribbling and attacking. But again, it, just from hearing Tata Martino, it really feels like he sees a, a, a young boy in Marcelo Flores, a player that needs to get used to this pressure, to get, needs to get used to uh, international football and, 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 and national team camps and what's expected of him. And it's, it's not an automatic uh, selection for me. And again, if you're a U.S. fan and you're listening to this, or if you are, or you you follow both teams, both the U.S. and Mexico, that to me is very much a departure from what Greg Berhalter does. Tata Martino and Greg Berhalter, I think, will always be linked because of their their time together uh, facing each other in MLS. The fact that Martino was uh, was wanted the U.S. job, according to, to my sources. Uh, and ultimately that went to Greg Berhalter. They're going to be linked. And now you see very different approaches to young players. Uh, Berhalter would probably take Marcelo Flores and give him as many opportunities as possible. At the same time, Berhalter shuts the door on people quite quickly as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. This next match for Mexico, this friendly uh, here in Atlanta, I'm based in Atlanta, so I'll be at that game. It is not a FIFA window. It's not an official FIFA window for friendlies. Uh, so Mexico will face Paraguay in Atlanta. It is all but confirmed that Tata Martino will choose domestic-based players. I don't know if we'll find out. I think today, actually, 
I think today that roster could be could be announced from by Mexico. Uh, I, I'm not sure if MLS fa- players will be included. You know, someone like Julian Araujo for the LA Galaxy, um, or Brian, you know, Brandon Vasquez is the you know is he going to get called up from Mexico? I really don't think so. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be Liga MX based for that game against Paraguay. And that's where these players like Alejandro Sendejas for Club America and even all the players that I've mentioned that are uh, Mexico based, they've got to show up and play well. Uh, you know, there are a few other players that I think are, are have have you know an opportunity and a, and, a, and a possibility to get back in Martino's favor before the World Cup. And that's Sebastian Cordova of Tigres. I mean, again, I, 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 I rehash interviews that I've had with Tata Martino in the past. I remember in 2020, I mentioned Sebastian Cordova as at the time, you know, he was playing for Club America and playing really well. And I asked Tata Martino about him. He was like, this is a player that by the time the World Cup comes around, he should be a top player. He should be a player that we are depending on. And what a fall from grace for Sebastian Cordova. He, you know, he's moved to Tigres and now he's playing well, but he is still on the fringe. He's on the outside looking in. If he gets included in this call up against Paraguay, he's a player to watch. You know, can he perform? Uh, Luis El Hueso Reyes, great nickname, the Bone. Uh, he's, I, I think, he's a a, a bit of a uh, a Swiss Army knife for Atlas. He can play as a left back. He can be. He can play a little bit. In, as an interior interior midfielder in a four through three, he's a left footer, uh, pretty much box to box, and you know he might get. It's reported in Mexico that he's going to be on this roster for the game against Paraguay. He's another player that can 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 really impress. I mentioned Puebla's uh, Jordi Cortizo. I honestly don't know a lot about him. I've watched him recently because I've been watching Josie Altador for Puebla. And boy, is this guy good! You know, another lefty, lanky guy uh, can play in the midfield, but gets to the goal, gets to goal, and he can finish. Uh, he had a really nice finish. I think that was against Nacaxa. So it's going to be interesting. I think Corona's injury is going to change really a lot for Mexico. You know, it really will. It's he to me is a top player. He's a player that. He's one of those players that you may not know. You may not be able to rattle off the starting 11 for Mexico if you're not a big El Tri fan, but you know who Tecatito Corona is. You just know who he is. And he's him not being there, possibly, and I'm saying possibly because his agent gave an interview yesterday and said that it's too early to take him off the World Cup list. You know, they think he could he could make it. He could recover on time and just and be part of the team. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But again, he's the type of star player for Mexico, uh, you know, that I really believe is is going to be a huge miss for them. Uh, and so from now until November, what Tata Martino does, who he leans on, is going to be very, very interesting to see. Okay, with that, we'll end this episode of Copa. Uh, thanks for joining me, and look out every Wednesday. We'll have a new episode drop on Wednesday, new guests, new information. Stick around with us. Thanks for joining me.